And this is We Understand Things, also known as What. And today, <laughs> we got to flip again to figure out what we're doing. Yeah, what are you? What are you? What are you flipping this time? Well, first of all, how's, how's Georgia going, man? It's going pretty good. It was twenty degrees today. Twenty and, degrees. Um, I live right next to a chicken processing plant. Mm. And I went outside and it was cold and very, very smelly. <laughs> and I said to myself, the only way this could be worse is if it started raining. And so right on cue, it started raining. Nice. So nice, nice. it was a nice. fantastic, beautiful day. How nice. about old Nabisco? Old uh, Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, it's super cold, honestly. I, it, it snowed a few days ago. It was supposed to snow uh, this past weekend, but it didn't, um, which is nice, but it's just super cold with like 40 mile an hour winds. Um, that sounds gross. I learned a new thing about, about, about cold places though, recently. What's that? Like if it, if it gets kind of, uh, kind of wet outside, all of the sidewalks freeze and, and I walk to work. Um, so especially when it snows, I walk to work, uh, and when the sidewalks freeze, it becomes like essentially ice skating to work every day Ooh, yeah so you're like you either penguin walk all the way to work or, or you uh you ice skate the whole way see but you've one. got pretty good balance so like you could probably do that yeah no yeah it was, it was fun for a little while i mean <laughs> it, it was fun for a little bit but it's really funny to walk around and you see all the people like like trying to like walk to to lunch or something and and it, it looks like um like you know those uh that that uh like old timey music um, <laughs> with like all the horns and like all the people falling down. It basically yeah, yeah. looks like that. If you like sped it up, it's like a herd of drunk penguins. Yeah, pretty much. It's, <laughs> it's uh, pretty bad, honestly. Mm. Well, Dad, all right. That sounds like a beautiful place to live. Yeah. It's a good time. It's a good time. Hmm. All right. So, so, what are, so what are we, what are we flipping today? Garrett? Um, I have a set of needle nose pliers with wire cutters on them would you like the we... side with the <laughs> blades on the wire cutter or would you like the side that doesn't have the blades of the wire cutter on them uh i'll take um blade side all right blade side here we go i'm gonna drop it on the floor so i don't destroy my desk and i won again sir oh man all right what's the plan here me or you um let, let's see, let's explain let's explain like what's what the deal here is right alrighty so basically this podcast is where two somewhat engineers we can't technically call ourselves engineers because we neither of us have a PE but we both work as engineers and we try I feel like to we can do... call ourselves engineers I, I I get paid to be an engineer that's very true we're not in a my job description is engineer that is very true. We're not in a court of law, so we are an engineer. Or two engineers. We are an engineer. <laughs> we are an engineer. All right, anyway, let me stop so, distracting you. We, um, we're going to tell some crazy stories that we've come across. And this can be anything from a failure to a feat of someone or just something crazy. And it's just something we find cool or interesting, be it 150,000 years ago or literally yesterday. Exactly. And the last episode, we just talked about bombs a bunch. Yeah, pretty much. And the the whole point of this is that is that neither one of us know what the other one's going to tell. Exactly. Um, so it it can you know, I'm kind of waiting for the day where we both pick the same story and we end up telling each other the same thing. That'd be crazy. But you know what we did on our first episode though? We had a very explosive entrance. We did. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Had to say it. Yeah. But. So, all right so you won you won the flip all right so who goes first i guess 
you went first last time, so I'm definitely making you go first again this time. Oh, <laughs> All right, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Okay, um, so my story is, uh, is fairly recent. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it late. It, it was last year, um, toward like middle to end of last year, uh, or two years ago. Yeah, it's 2019 now. 2019. It's crazy. So, yeah, so now, so this is actually two years ago. Uh, it's 2017. Um, but uh, I wanted to, to give a little bit of intro to it. So, um, and, and the intro actually is, is relevant to you, believe it or not. Oh, no. um, <laughs> That's the story. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, Garrett and I, um, and this is just sort of some background, uh, we started a, um, a, a skateboard company a little while back um, and we started it off without pretty much any, any materials or, or know-how or uh, really anything. And the way we sort of started it was essentially email marketing and, and uh, asking industry professionals and, and companies that were well-known for, for this type of manufacturing if they were able to help us out at all. Um, and we essentially started with an email list saying that we knew what we were doing when we really didn't. Uh, and just sort of went with the flow, faking it until we, well, made it. And we eventually uh, got a shop right next to a train, which you can hear now. <laughs> oh, great. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so the, the, the sort of the, the general vibe of the, of this story is, uh, fake it till you make it. Right. Okay. Um, so this is, uh, April, 2017, uh, over in Europe, uh, in London, actually, uh, there's a, a guy named Uba Butler. Um, I don't know if that's a, a normal name over there. I don't mean to make fun of anyone's name, but his name is Uba. Um, it's and unique. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but I guess it's unique. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I don't really know, but Uba is his name. Mm-hmm. Um he started off, uh, he's a, a, a writer and a journalist and a small-time filmmaker for Vice Magazine. I gotcha. Um, and he, a while back, he, he started doing, um, have you ever heard of uh, TripAdvisor? Oh, yeah, TripAdvisor. Yeah, so whenever you go somewhere, you kind of look online and, and you look at TripAdvisor to see, you know, where to go to eat, where to stay, where to whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not sponsored and... by TripAdvisor. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, a lot of places um, have like like. Let me let me give you an example here. Have you ever gone to Amazon.com to to just order something that you need, and you go and look online and you look at the reviews, and a lot of the reviews look completely fake. Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably because they are fake. Okay. And TripAdvisor has the same thing. So this Uba guy, uh, he a, a few years before this story uh, happened. He started writing fake reviews for restaurants on TripAdvisor, and different restaurants would would pay him ten dollars a fake positive review for their restaurant, hmm. right? And, and it, it, these things actually, you know, promoted really good positive change for these restaurants because those reviews are very meaningful. That sounds like easy money too. Yeah, true. So I mean, it, you can consider it bad or good. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. But they are fake reviews, and he's getting paid to do that. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward a few years, right? Okay. So, um, and, and at this point in time, he's he's done these fake reviews and everything else for for a little while, and he pretty much believes that it's possible to fake literally everything on TripAdvisor, hmm. except for the actual physical restaurant that you can go to and eat, right? Wow. So naturally, he decides to fake having a restaurant. Okay. <laughs> so not only did he plan to have and own and operate a completely fake restaurant that doesn't exist on TripAdvisor, his goal was to become the number one restaurant in all of London that doesn't exist. So other than reviews, though, are there... Uh, I've used TripAdvisor a couple times, maybe a couple, yeah. but... Yeah, is there yeah. really any other thing that you could fake other than reviews and the places? Yeah, yeah. So, you, so, so let me let me continue the story, and I'll give you an idea of what all you can fake, right? Okay. Okay. So, uh, Uba lives in a in a place called Dulwich in London, mm-hmm. um, and his his house is is basically a shed. Um, it's a terrible house. I don't mean to be offensive again, but 
his house is not a fantastic place to live. You know, he he. I think he said that he pays like eight hundred and fifty dollars uh, in our uh, euros. Um, it's pounds, sir. Or pounds, eight hundred fifty pounds. Um, mm-hmm. for for his apartment there. Uh, but it's a it's a house that he rents. Um, and to put that into perspective, I pay about the same amount for my apartment. And let me tell you, my apartment is far nicer than his house. Okay. Um. So anyway, he has this tiny house with this like. Uh, terrible little backyard area. Um, so this is this is where he decides to um, set up his restaurant, right? Hmm. So he goes out to a gas station, right? He buys a, a burner drug dealer phone, right? Okay. And sets that as the the company, the restaurant landline, right? Okay. Um, so people can call and make reservations because the the whole point is that um, this restaurant is is appointment only because if it wasn't, then people could just show up, right? So he's thinking way ahead on this thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then he starts a website uh, for a restaurant called The Shed at Dolwich. Okay. Um, and he comes up with a, with a menu online um, for what they would serve at this terrible backyard restaurant. Okay. Um, and basically, he's sort of making fun of, of a lot of other places. He's going extremely eccentric with, with his whole restaurant deal, hmm. right? So instead of, um, you know, regular meals... He's going to serve meals that correspond to moods or emotions, right? Hmm. So to give you to give you some of the uh, the the moods that he will be serving you when you go there for dinner, right. uh, you can you can get lust or Ooh. empathetic or contemplation or love or comfort or happy. Um, so you can sort of choose whatever emotion you're really feeling for the night. I'm a little um, confused. What a contemplation meal? Yeah. Would you like to know what it is? Would you, sure, would you like to hit, hit me with it? All right. All right. All right. So a contemplation meal is a deconstructed Aberdeen stew. All the elements of the dish are served to the table as they would be in the process of cooking, served with a warm beef tea. Hmm. I don't know if you caught that, but he so says So it's a that, bunch of uncooked food on a plate with I I don't know. I really don't know. It just says that they would the, the the elements of the dish would be served to the table as they would be in the process of cooking. I assume that just means he's going to serve you a meal in the form of a meal. Or I don't know, but cook- all all of these descriptions are, are very similar in that they're 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 sort of just jokes. So is um, this still up? Or yeah, is- yeah, the website's actually still up. So so if any any listeners or or you Garrett can go online and look, uh, it's called the Shed at Dolwich, and you can actually see this restaurant. Okay, I'm about to pull this up. Please excuse my typing, real quick. All right, well, hold up. Let me let me actually just finish the story before you before you go Google it because it'll sort of ruin a little bit of it. Okay. Um, all right. So he's got these 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 mood meals, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So now what he needs is is some some nice pictures of what these meals will will actually be when you go there and you order it on your on your evening out, right? Yeah, because he's not actually cooking anything. Exactly. Exactly. So, um. He hires a, a photographer, professional photographer, mm-hmm. to take super high quality food images. Um, and he, he he took some crazy pictures. But at one point, he he was making like a, a meal with uh, shallots. Um, okay. I'm not sure if you know what shallots are. They're the mm-hmm. like cylindrical puck looking things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And essentially, he took like uh, like toilet cakes, like urinal cakes, uh-huh. um, and poured honey over them with some like fresh herbs from his garden, and took a picture. <laughs> And okay. made it look absolutely professional. Like the pictures that are online on his website right now are completely fake. Not one of them has real food in it. Okay. I think one of them might have an egg, but that's pretty much it. I and, very and they're much all look at these now. You'll have to wait. I'm sorry. That's all good, um, man. But these pictures are all completely faked. Even he even had like his own like foot, like the heel of his foot in one of the pictures. <laughs> Um, which is hilarious, but anyway, so, um, he starts his website, gets his burner phone, makes these meals, take pictures. Um, he, he sets up his, 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 uh, his address as sort of a general location, puts that, that burner phone number online so that people have to make an appointment and don't know exactly where the restaurant is. Okay. Um, so no one's just going to show up at his house and be like, Hey man, give me some food. Um, so anyway, he, he, he finally gets verified on TripAdvisor and starts off as number 18,190 in Holy all of mess. London. So that, that he is essentially at the bottom of the list of restaurants in London, in, in know, London, right? 
does it just take the pictures and the like setting it up to get verified or um i'm not have... entirely sure the process of it okay. um i assume that they have to call you and say make hey, sure you're a what real you person kind of thing yeah i guess yeah i gotcha i'm not really sure what the process is but i assume that it's not entirely difficult okay um so anyway um so he he's eighteen thousand one hundred ninetieth, right mm -hmm. uh, so he starts calling all his friends up to go and leave rave positive reviews of his restaurant on TripAdvisor, right? Okay. So they go online and they and, and he's making sure to to include keywords like like homely and quirky and eccentric and things like that, um, and like j just all kinds of things that are essentially terrible. Like he's making this restaurant sound basically horrible, but eccentric and interesting. Hmm. So that you have that that curious aspect, and and if he ever has anyone who comes over and and wants to eat there, he can essentially serve them garbage, and they, they will think, think oh, it's that's an artistic meal. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, he starts getting more and more of these fake reviews for this restaurant that doesn't exist at all, mm -hmm. and eventually people start calling his burner phone to make reservations for this place. Okay. <laughs> now what does he do? Because I okay. feel like this is the do or die moment. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, so he gets a call. He gets calls all the time from from people trying to make reservations. Um, so, what do you do if you get a call trying for some from someone trying to get a reservation at your restaurant that doesn't exist? You tell them that the reservation you don't have enough room or something. Exactly. Like that. You tell them you're completely oh. booked. So he starts telling these people that he's completely booked. Um, and after months and months of this, people are trying to book reservations. He even has people sending him emails trying to get jobs at this restaurant at this point. So that makes people want it even more because they so that's can't the thing. get into that's it. That's the thing. So basically, this place is becoming so exclusive because it's always booked. And there's no real address, so you can't just go to it. And people really love what they can't have, you know? And you're probably having some people who then leave good reviews so people exactly. think that they exactly. went there. Exactly. Oh. So this restaurant keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. So, so we're going to skip ahead. And now, now, now this restaurant, just off of fake reviews and no, nothing actually real, this restaurant has climbed to number 1,456 in, in, in all of London, which is a huge gain. Definitely. Um, so calls keep coming. Um, reviews keep getting posted. And now we're up to number 156. Mm -hmm. He even starts asking people how many Instagram followers they have. Because there's tons of famous people and business executives trying to sort of leverage their status just to get a table at this restaurant that so literally does not it. exist. That's adding to the exclusivity of it. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, so people start sending packages to this to this uh, the general Google Maps location with uh, the shed at Dolwich on the uh, on the address um, mm -hmm. as the name. And, and they're trying to like, it's like other people trying to get jobs or send samples of potential menu items or whatever, trying to get something out of this place. Definitely. Um, that seems to be just popping. Mm -hmm. um, so at one point, this is sort of the turning point of the story. He even has an Australian production company contact him. And they set up a Skype call to discuss the promotion of, of, of the shed at Dolwich um, on in-flight televisions. So like whenever you, you go on a flight, you have the, the TV, the old TVs in front of you. Yeah. Um, and they can play ads. Mm -hmm. This company calls him and is like, Hey man, we really love what you're doing with the restaurant. We want to promote that on, on TV with some, some, uh, actresses or whatever else. Right. And they actually have no idea what he's doing with the restaurant. They have no idea that this restaurant does that not is insane. So Uba, he, he dresses up to look super eccentric and crazy and like, like someone who would really own this quirky restaurant. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and he does this Skype call with this person. And eventually the call ends in, in complete success. And now the restaurant has some super highly successful ads running on planes worldwide, as well yeah. as amazing fake reviews on TripAdvisor, right? That's insane. Which is hilarious. Um, so anyway, so now we're here. It's winter of 2017. The Shed at Dolwich is now ranked number 30 in all of London's 18,000 restaurants, mm -hmm. right? So finally... Uba gets an email from TripAdvisor okay. on November 1st, 2017. Okay. And at, at this point, he thinks this could be the news that he's finally been caught for this for this scheme, right? Mm -hmm. 
TripAdvisor is finally reaching out to him. Nope, it is not. It is actually a congratulatory email saying he has reached the number one restaurant in all of London that doesn't exist and no one has ever been to. And doesn't even serve food. And doesn't even serve food. They serve urinal cakes, apparently. <laughs> um, so TripAdvisor actually says on its website that it, de- it dedicates tons of time to making sure that their content reflects real experiences of real travelers. Mm-hmm. So Uber decides to go ahead and email TripAdvisor and, and be like, hey, so uh, how do you guys do that? Like, what's that process look like Yeah, from stopping, from stopping people from, say, making a fake restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and this was uh, TripAdvisor's response. This is a, a quote. It says, generally, the only people who create fake restaurant listings are journalists in misguided attempts to test us. Hmm. As there is no incentive for anyone in the real world to create a fake restaurant, it is not a problem we experience with our regular community. Therefore, this test is not a real-world example. Okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, which I think is hilarious that he he actually reached out to these people and then asked if if they even like. This is him just taunting them. Yeah, it's basically point. just taunting taunting TripAdvisor, saying, "Oh wow, you really you really do spend time trying to to make this not happen when I'm sitting here doing it, and it's the number one restaurant in one of you know the biggest cities in the world." Um, hmm. So anyway, so we're at number one, right? Number one restaurant in all of London. Okay. So he did it. Woo! It's done, right? Mm-hmm. Except now his phone is ringing like crazy his email is exploding oh i bet the man can't even go outside anymore i think i saw a video of him one point going outside and walking down the street for a walk and he had people stop him on the side of the street asking him if he knew where the shed at dolwich was that's because he was walking in the general location they even like tried to call the restaurant as they were talking to him and he keep in mind he has this burner phone which is connected to that phone number on him they're basically just trying to find proof that this is him. That this even exists. They're trying to find something that this restaurant's real. That's um, insane. So, so at this point, he's done it. He's number one in London. He reached his goal. So what, what's left to do now? Well, he decides, I mean, naturally, to go ahead and open the restaurant. <laughs> I so, mean, I guess that's the only step you can make at this point. Pretty much, I guess. Um, so anyway, he, he goes out and he, and keep in mind his, his, his house is terrible. Like this, this restaurant is supposed to be an outdoor shed, like homely style restaurant in the middle of nowhere, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, so he goes out and gets all the stuff the restaurant needs, tables, chairs, microwave, ready meals, and pretty much garbage, right? He goes to basically a gas station and picks up all the food. And, and tops them with like herbs and spices. He gets one of his buddies, who's uh, a five star chef, okay, to to take these um these these microwave dinners essentially, and sort of put some some fancy garnish on them, uh, and make them them look, you know, nice ish. He's about to nice take enough. Five ten dollars worth of food and make a hundred dollars off of this thing. That's the yeah, best exactly. investment ever. So, um, well, for this, for this, uh, he actually set up the uh, the event as sort of a press night, so everything was free. Because I feel he, I think he was uh, he was worried about uh, like um, this sort of being maybe a tax issue or something. True, because at um, this point, people know that he's the owner. Right. Right. Oh, okay. So, um, so anyway, he he finally he calls um, some of the people who've been calling him forever and and tells them the fantastic news that finally the 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 place is not booked. Right. So he finally has people coming to his house for real. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes and gets some outdoor heaters. He even hires a DJ to basically just play restaurant noise all night long. Like no actual music, <laughs> just like restaurant noises. Just people talking and yeah, yeah, like kitchen and... sounds, things like that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That is insane. Yep. Um, and uh, he even gets some of his friends to like play as actors at the tables around the other people and basically pretend and say how delicious their microwave mac and cheese is all night. <laughs> <laughs> so people show up that evening ready to eat some moods for dinner. 
Um, and, and he has them actually park on the street down the block. He blindfolds them, you know, for the experience and then walks them to their table, like through like back alleys and under trees and things. And he even at one point, I think he had a table on top of his house, like on the roof that people could sit at and eat their microwave mac and cheese. Um, wouldn't but they yeah, find and then, out if they were sitting on the roof, couldn't they see? Oh no, no, no! He took the blindfolds off once they got once they got to the restaurant, oh, okay. or quote unquote restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, and then after this, he he did his whole night, and he even had people say people loved the the, the food. Surprisingly, um, these gas station meals, as some people said, it reminded them of their childhood. So um, they went in there with these preconceived notions that this place was the bomb. Was amazing. And to them, it was, even though it really wasn't. Um, and he even had a bunch of people tell him that they would love to come back again. Hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. then he went and made a short film about it, and and you and everybody else can go watch it on Vice.com. But that's pretty much the story. This man started off with just an idea and faked it till he made it and made the number one restaurant in all of London that didn't exist, and then he made it exist for a night. That is probably the most work that has gone into a short film. Honestly, though, it, it, it doesn't seem that bad. Like, it, it probably was a ton of work. Um, but in all honesty, like, he started this in April 2017, mm-hmm. and the restaurant uh, reached number one in all of London on November 1st of 2017. Wow, so that took hardly any time at yeah, all. Yeah, that's not really a super long... That's like eight months. So what you did know? some of the... Um... With these reviews that he were, he basically got without anybody looking at it, how? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I'm guessing how. How did these even become a thing? I know people want to be part of it. I'm seeing the. Um, well, I I think a lot of people were just his friends. I mean, he he was a a pretty popular writer for Vice magazine, and I'm sure he had a lot of people who were interested in doing something sort of funny like this. And if you ever go watch the video, and I, I encourage all the listeners to go to go watch it as well, um, it, it, he basically treats it as a complete joke the entire time, mm-hmm. like all the way down to all of his um his meal descriptions. Like like if you wanted to order comfort, the the mood comfort, it was a uh, a Yorkshire blue macaroni and cheese seasoned with bacon shavings and served in a six hundred thread count Egyptian cotton bowl. This is and insane. I'm looking at the website means, right now. This are you is, seeing the pictures? The pictures look delicious, but right? now that not. I know this is a toilet cake, basically, <laughs> it looks like it looks like the fanciest toilet cake with yep. maybe some red rice krispies on top yep. and some like barley or something Doused like that. Doused in honey. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. This is actually insane. Yeah. So yeah, I really encourage anyone to go online and look up uh, the shed at Dulwich. Uh, you will not be disappointed. It's one of the coolest stories I've, I've ever gotten to to listen to. So he's um, he's still got his number, and I'm not sure if he's still the the number one restaurant in the world in in, in all of London. Still, this I'm, I'm not really sure. Out. I'm about to dig into this because <laughs> this is blowing my mind right now. <laughs> this is really the the epitome of fake it till you make it. I know, I know, and I, I I've always said forever, like, and and you know this, like, I, I firmly believe in fake it till you make it, and this was just all the more confirmation that I can pretty much do whatever I want as long as I pretend oh, that I'm doing it right. <laughs> this is I'm looking right now on TripAdvisor, and I don't see the um. The he may have closed it. I'm not sure. It would kind of make sense that he closed it because, I mean, no one really wants to run the number one restaurant in all of well, London out of their backyard. This is insane. You type in the shed, and now there's about six, seven the sheds. Oh, you have yeah. The shed at <laughs> Palace Gardens Terrace. You have the shed on Street oh, Guys man. Campus. <laughs> there's a the bunch of people who are trying to, like, mimic it, I guess. Basically, trying to make some money off of this trend you have that's hilarious the shed restaurant on wembley you have the shed coffee house yeah honestly it makes, it makes you think like what what else you could sort of apply this method to probably a whole lot of things honestly well i'm sure there 
I mean, you've seen what we did with the with the with skateboard the stuff. It, yeah, it that's, really that's what. That's what I was... take much to convince people that you are going you to do understand what great. you're doing yeah exactly. yeah exactly yeah that's what i think i've found the actual place if this is the actual place it's sitting at number 750 out of 19,549 yep but yep. if you're looking at the photos this looks like a very nice place yeah exactly and that's the thing like it, with, with nice pictures amazing reviews I mean, there's and and a waiting list that's that ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like if you have friends is... who are who are super high up business executives or celebrities that can't even get a table, like that yeah. makes it a very very desirable place to eat. And especially with celebrities and stuff too, even if yeah. they can't get in, they're probably wanting to flex and show that they exactly they exactly. have like. They, can they have enough clout to get in there, you know? Exactly, exactly. So you have, I don't think this is the same one because this one has a different logo. But even this one, it has almost 700 reviews. And <laughs> it's, I mean, it's got pretty good reviews on it. And yeah. It, but yeah, that's my story, man. That is, that is actually blowing my mind because. You're welcome with how honestly trying to start something with how hard it is is it can definitely take some time and effort and do that and that's the thing like though people no people always people always say that it, it takes a whole lot of effort and work and time and whatever else to start something you really want to do but honestly like just take take a take a small example from this guy like he didn't do anything relevant to starting a real restaurant yeah this yep. guy literally he made it just all the way to number one and made yep. a profile yeah that's insane yep. it's all about marketing man well you see that too in a bunch of other businesses because exclusivity is it's a hot big seller. yeah 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 but that's what we need to do we need to start making skateboards only sell one every year only sell one a year exactly yeah or better yet, yeah, don't sell any at all. Every, every time someone calls, just be like, nah, man. We're all sold out. You got a story for me? Yes, I do. So, yeah. this is a little bit of a different story. If you didn't get in trouble for things i would definitely do this which i'm not going to so <laughs> if this happens i wouldn't do this exactly though let me rephrase that because there is some uh there is some foul play in this so okay. i wouldn't necessarily do the foul play but i love these type of stories because it is a bank heist Oh, and man. this is a very haven't you always wanted to just like rob a bank but like not really oh yeah i would like just to just to do it but like not have any of the consequences especially now after learning a lot of how stuff works and stuff yeah through all of basically the things we've worked on because there is a way to do it oh i'm sure there is yeah yeah absolutely and just as if if i ever get rich one day i kind of want to put all of my money in a safe put security there and then me try to break into it <laughs> just to see if i can just because for practice exactly i would love to do that because movies like oceans 13 and all of the oceans movies and uh, you've got even like baby driver and things like that i love those especially really? one of my favorite scenes ever is the first part of I forget which Batman movie it is, but it's basically the bank heist where the Joker ends uh, up getting yes, away with yes, everything yes, and I is able to basically get away with only him and the driver of the bus so he doesn't yep. have to split the money. Yep, yep. And I'm I, sure, I believe that is Batman Begins, I believe. Uh, I think you're right. But that is one of my like favorite scenes ever because it's just it plays out so perfectly. Yeah. But... Um, so this is one of those, and I, I'm not going to lie, I've been listening to a lot of uh, murder and serial killer podcasts lately. 
Yeah. And um, so this one kind of takes both of those and mashes it together. So this has been a good while ago. It's in 1948 um, on January 26th in Tokyo. And we are, we're at a bank. Uh, I don't know the exact pronunciation of this, but it's Tekoku Ginko. And okay. there are currently 16 people in this bank and a man walks in yep. dressed as a official health inspector and at a bank exactly so right now in japan there is an outbreak of dysentery and do you know what dysentery uh, is yeah 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 so basically it is uh, i'll say it once more for the viewers but it's basically an inflammatory disease and it's with intestines and you're going to have some, you're going to have a bad time. You're going to have, yeah, you're basically um, going to have it going out both ends for a, a little mm -hmm. while. right? And you're going to be visiting the oval office a lot with dysentery. <laughs> and so it, well, that goes it, back to, to uh, what was that game? Oregon trail. I think it's exactly, Oregon trail, right? Exactly. Yeah. You, it always says like you've died of dysentery. Exactly. Yeah. And, yep. um, Oh, I'm, I'm saying that wrong. I looked <laughs> I even looked at the uh, pronunciation beforehand. Um, but, so, because that's, if you if you have that, you can dehydrate very quickly. Right. And so, they are being eaten alive by this right now. So, this health inspector comes in and basically says, everyone in here has been exposed. And okay. he tells them that they have to take a immunization or else they are going to get it. There is not really a choice here. And with <laughs> everything they've seen so far, everybody is totally legitimate. Exactly. And everybody right. is on board. They're they've seen what it's done and they don't want that to happen to them. Right, right. So you now have sixteen people who are a hundred percent on board. And so he goes, and he looks official, and he even has a business card that says he is a health inspector. And so, and if you were, so, I mean, you didn't have Google back then, but even if you Googled the name on the business card, it said it. And um, back in that time in Japan, it, they still do this today where business cards ha hold a lot of meaning. So it is almost like showing someone your ID at that really? time. So especially if you were to give that business part card to somebody else, but um, okay. that'll okay. come in in a little bit. Yeah. I so, mean, here in, in the U S like people just go on Vistaprint and everybody gets like 3000 exactly. business cards for their, you know, online seed selling store. Exactly. But like in Japan, hats. Exactly. But in Japan, when somebody gives you a business card, it's basically saying that you're worthy enough for me to give this to you kind of thing. Right. And so okay. for him to pull out his business card and show everybody and it be a legit business card, everybody believes him. There's no question to it. Okay. Um, and he only pulls out one, which will come back in a minute. Okay. So he ends up telling them, Everybody pull out your teacups. If you have any kind of cup or something, all the employees had teacups tea there cups? because, because in Japan, tea is very popular. So people they, just carry on teacups. It's like coffee here, basically. So I don't if, carry on a coffee cup. I do. So I guess it's not That's that weird for weird. me. All right. But, anyway, so they okay. all got teacups apparently. Yeah. All right. Okay. So they pull out their teacups and everybody who didn't have a teacup, they could get an injection. And so... He puts stuff in these people's teacups because he tells them it's going to act faster. It'll be more likely that they don't get dysentery or dysentery, excuse me, that um because it since it's a basically an intestinal disease, if you drink and it goes straight to your intestines, it's going to work faster than going through your bloodstream. Mm, okay. And yeah, so yeah. that was his reasoning. Got so. It. Sounds As these right. people are taking this medicine, one by one, they start to drop. Yeah. And um, 
as he's giving it to him, he tells him there's some slight side effects. You might feel a dry throat. It may make you very woozy, whatever. So he ends up um, giving it to all 16 people in the bank and all of them drop unconscious. That's nuts. And so he then goes around and ends up taking um, 160,000 yen. What did but that translate to in, in U.S. During that then, time, you know? that was only about $2,000. Okay. In, in U.S. currency. And, but the weird thing was he left a bunch of other money around and didn't steal mm -hmm. other valuable items. So they still don't know if his motive was exactly that or if he had some other motive. Are, are these and people okay? No. So... After ten died in the bank, what? And then what two, did he give them? So they think it was a cyanide solution. Okay, okay. But so he just straight up, this man just walks in. He basically to a bank pretends to be a health inspector. Exactly. And then poisons an entire tea drinking room of of Japanese people. Exactly. Bank and tellers. It's between bank tellers and. You have that, and you have people who are just there banking. Yeah, just randos in there to exactly, to exactly cash a and, check. Mm -hmm. And if you were in there, you thought you were about to come down with a, a, a sickness, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Down with the sickness, man. Exactly. <laughs> and um, so you basically afterwards only had four people who were left, and. They thought this was a cyanide solution. So on the official police report, it says cyanide solution. Okay. And so um, they begin the investigation into it. And right. they don't know where to start because this man was, I believe he was wearing a face mask so that something didn't get. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So, that he so get, nothing like, transferred during the air. Exactly. Okay. Is dysentery even, can that even be passed, like, on through, is, is that, is that, so, can that be through air? I'm looking at this now, and there's a couple different types, but I don't see. I didn't see, think that was airborne. I don't think it is. I think it's because of, um, I think it's because of bad conditions, and it's a, it's a, they say it's an infectious it's like, it's, pathogen. It's, so yeah, I'm typically, guessing... typically you get that from like uh, not like showering or cleaning yourself and mm -hmm. typically just eating badly or poorly. So what I'm reading here is saying that it's the reaction of hot tissues to the infectious agent. So I'm guessing it's transferred by... Like blood or... Oh, excuse me. Something. This says... Uh, uh, this may actually transfer through the air because... Mm. It is Shows saying, that we know, folks. We are engineers. We are not exactly. We are not we, we research what we do. <laughs> but this is saying infections are caused by. It could be through like ticks and mites. It could be other viruses, bacteria. So a whole lot of things, really. Exactly. So I'm okay. sure it could transfer through the air. So at this some was point, probably not... viable at that point. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm not 100% certain, but I'm sure it. It, regardless, it was enough to, to scare all these people. Exactly. And, I mean, anytime you have a disease going through, people are going to be scared if it's oh, running yeah, rampant. Yeah. You know, yeah, with I'm, Zika absolutely. virus and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, You yeah. had people freaking out over that. I know the last time I was in the airport, you still see signs where it's, I mean, it's 2019, and you still see signs where people are saying to tip over yeah um, like water like open open and containers things like and that. things like that exactly yeah. exactly yeah so the mosquitoes can't breed so you don't get the zika virus yeah and yeah. so they begin their investigation and they have no clue where to start except the business card that the man had he left at the scene mm. and there had been a couple other instances where there were business cards left at the scene of a crime, but they did not think they were necessarily connected because some of the previous instances of that showed that 
it wasn't a real business card. They researched and they couldn't find the actual person that the business card um, belonged to. So this one actually did belong to a um, Department of Disease Prevention Health Inspector who worked for the so ministry. An actual health inspector. Exactly. He worked for the Ministry of Health and Welfare in Japan. And his name was Matsui Shigeru. And yeah, I'm sure that's pronounced right. Probably. I am. <laughs> I, I know a little bit of Japanese, but I am very bad at Americanizing things. So, yeah. so he was a real guy, and he was actually a very high up in this. So okay, okay. He, they went to talk to this man, and they were. he was able to prove that it was not him. He had a good alibi. And so someone like, took his business card. Exactly. Well, because giving somebody a business card was such a big deal. Right. He probably knew exactly who it was. He had recorded every single time he had exchanged business cards. Because yeah. when he got a business card, so that was part of the thing. If you were given a business card, you were also expected to receive a business card. Got it. Yeah. And so... On every single business card that he had gotten, he had written down the time and date and where he was at. Mm, okay. So he went through, pulled out every single business card that he had exchanged with and had 593 people he had exchanged business cards with recently. <laughs> so they now had 593 basically suspects for this. Until... That's crazy. He found out that his business card that they had, because I'm sure at first they didn't show him the business card. Right, right. Once, he must have gotten like a newer one or something like that. Exactly. Right? He had changed business cards to a new one. So and this is so, probably like a relatively recent one? Exactly. So he had only given 100 people this different business card. Got so it. it went from 593 to now 100 suspects. Yeah. Well, they went through every single one of those people to finally find a man called uh, I don't have his first name but his last name was Hirasawa okay. and so he was a painter that could not show them the business card that he had but he had also been robbed right beforehand and he had, he had been robbed. He had been robbed. He'd been pickpocketed, and so his wallet was not with him. He had put in a report oh, saying oh, that his wallet oh, had oh. been um, taken from him. So, so someone robbed him and then used the business card of the other guy. Well, they thought that since he could not, I mean, he could not produce the business card, and so if somebody can't produce a business card, that's going to be one of their right. top suspects. Right. So they continue to search this man and they are able to find a similar amount of money that was stolen from the bank in his possession and he could not divulge where that money originated from. Mm. And so he also had an alibi of him have been taking a stroll near that area. He wasn't mm. exactly in that area, but he had taken a stroll near there close enough yeah yeah close enough that if you checked you could probably make it there okay yep. and so two of the survivors out of the four basically when they saw him they immediately said he's the poisoner and also people outside around so there were people around that were saying that he's the poisoner but the thing was I believe his face was covered. So right. it's hard to tell if in two, after they had been given that cyanide solution, there's no telling how that affects your memory and stuff like that. Right, so, right, exactly, but exactly. then he confessed to the crime. He did confess. He did confess. So he was thrown in jail and that was thought to be the end of it at the time well he went through and he was going to get the death penalty and 
it wasn't until then that they started reviewing the what they had on this guy. Okay. And it was all circumstantial. Nothing really pinned this guy down to this. Right, right, because it was only just the witnesses pretty mm -hmm. much, right? Yeah, and so, I mean, I, I was actually, I, I think I, I, you know, it might have been on a on different podcast or, or maybe I, I read an article somewhere else where um, it said that even even today, a lot of a lot of convictions are based on, um, you know, witnesses, witness, mm -hmm. witness recollections, right? Um, and apparently that can be extremely, extremely dangerous because people can, I mean, I mean, I, I even do it sometimes where I, I will remember something and and you realize later that you totally remembered it completely wrong exactly that's have you ever watched the i believe it's called impractical jokers mm, i've heard of it but i haven't really gotten into it so one of the things they do that i love is they basically go up to somebody and they act like they know this person and, and people like, pretend, hey, man, they, how they, are you they, doing? You they, remember me from the thing the other day? Yeah. 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 You, uh, I was, and they go off and do some crazy stuff. And about but I'm sure a lot of times people, people, yeah, they, they say they do remember them. Exactly. And the funniest thing is even walking away from that person. If they were like with other people, the one person might be like, who was that? And he was like, oh, he was the guy who was doing this. So it's. You never know how people remember something. Right, exactly. And the thing was, too, there were four survivors and only half remembered it that way. Right. And the other people who were a, a basically said that this is the guy weren't in the bank. So he could have been walking around and they have seen him, but he may not have actually walked into the bank. Mm, yeah because so, he was walking near there at the time exactly so he could have been seen but he might not have been the person but i mean he confessed too right well that is part of the story he mm. confessed while being beaten in jail oh well yeah i confessed too probably exactly that is the thing and immediately after confessing he said that that was not true he only confessed so he could stop being beaten and then his lawyer basically said he was not in the right mental state because he was in a, basically a state of distress because right. he was being beaten. So, but that didn't hold up when he first got thrown in jail. So all of this is starting to come out while he is in jail. Okay. And so he is in jail for the next 32 years. What? And they are trying to push his death warrant so that they can go ahead and end this case. And That's so crazy. because all of the all of the evidence is all circumstantial, right. nobody will sign the death warrant. So you have the Minister of Justice in Japan won't sign it, and you have, I believe, one other person that won't sign it. And you even have this one official who signed twenty-three prisoners death warrants and he would not sign um hirasawa's so hmm. and he announced that to the press that was in 1967 and so he spent 32 years in there until he came down with pneumonia and so they petitioned for him to be released but before he could even get released he died in prison so Not pneumonia exactly died hmm. in prison of pneumonia so to this day, they still don't know who did this. And they were able to find out a little more information that even the poison that they thought was not the original. It wasn't what was used. It was a military-grade poison. Oh. Exactly, which is not accessible by the public. So it was an acetone cyanotrin? I don't know exactly how to say that, but it was some gnarly stuff. And it was, so, and this actually makes a little more sense because this was a poison that worked very slowly. So he okay. would have had time to work through and administer it to each person in the bank. Before they all realize what's going on. Exactly. So now this goes from somebody being 
it could be anybody to this now has to be a professional you know it really gets me though like what's that what if, if you're going to to rob a bank and go through that much effort you know why only steal what's essentially two thousand dollars exactly like i'm sure i'm not sure what that's worth in in today's money mm-hmm. you know probably a significantly higher but amount even but. then they didn't think that his motive was to steal money what do it, they think his motive was just to know. just to kill these people because mm-hmm. that's the thing as they research it more the more questions arise because this was not a just any joe schmo out there it was somebody who was someone and had access to, to that well right it could be military it could even be say the guy who left the card there it could have been him you know right right there's no Someone telling at this up. point i'm not saying it is him i i do believe that man's still alive i'm not saying it's you i'm just saying <laughs> there's a possibility in case he's there. listening to this podcast yes exactly we don't think it's you man unless it is in hey, which case unless it is come on man so those people just wanted to drink tea mm-hmm. and so they go back and part of the other thing about this guy too is when they were interrogating him and doing all this stuff, he loved to do crime fiction and stuff. So they were like, we got this guy. He likes crime fiction. And, well, actually, excuse me. He didn't do crime fiction. He did um, pornographic pictures. But he was a fan. What? He, he was a fan of a crime fiction novelist. Oh. Um, yeah, excuse me. But he knew if that came out that he was a pornographic artist it was going to look bad on him look bad on his family that kind of thing so well they, what do you mean though like well because what what would look worse you murdering like eight people well or you doing some crazy stuff online that was his thing you have i mean if you're being interrogated Police have ways of making you say yeah. what they want you to say. It's there. I watched this other day a documentary on how police do what they do, how they interrogate a a suspect, and it is very intimidating. It even if there was, I believe this was in Michigan. They were interrogating the guy who ended up killing his wife and his kids. And the way that they were able to get all of the information out of him is getting him to confess to smaller crimes building up to the big crime. So Hmm. by the time he had said that it was me, he had confessed to, say, five, six different steps to the crime to build up to that. And each confession before that was technically a lie in what happened. So as you start to work through that, different things seem to be less and less because they're trying to make you out as the good guy. Because right. it's that's the easiest way to get it through with that. And, I mean, that's a very, very common way of doing it. And then especially if you're getting beaten on top of that. Yeah, yeah, no. It's going to be I mean, hard to stay quiet. Beaten, I'm definitely going to be like, yeah, man, it's me as long as you stop. Yeah, exactly. So, it um to this day, no one knows how this happened. There is there is no more suspects. There are no more leads to go on this. There is nothing. There is somebody out there who did this that is most likely not the person that was convicted. That's so, crazy. Um, and is considered one of the best bank heists because to this day, nobody knows who did it. Right, right. And somebody went down for it, too. So even if you did the bank heist and it wasn't the person that they got, you're in the clear. So That's um, wild. Yeah, that's what, there's a couple different crazy, crazy, crazy bank heists and different heists that happened in Japan because they are some very creative people. Yeah. And um, so I might have to tell another Japanese bank heist 
story in the future because I <laughs> love a bank high story. Yeah, that was a pretty good story, man. That's pretty crazy. That's what it, That's it is. I mean, it, it, our stories are kind of similar in that in that sense, though. Like, uh, you know, Uber sort of faked it till he made it, making a fake restaurant, and yeah. your guy sort of faked it till he made it, yeah. pretending to be a a health inspector. And fake it till you make it people. to be a criminal. Yeah, either way you do it, guys, just fake it till you make it and you'll get there. You'll get where you want to be. Exactly. So that's that's our, I'd say that's our send-off, you can say, is no matter what you do, make sure you fake it until you make it. And if right. you don't think you'll ever make it, just just fake it. You know? <laughs> just, just, be fake fake. It. just fake it. Just fake it. <laughs> just be fake. All right, thanks, guys. Catch us next time on What? We understand things. <laughs> All right, we're going to get off this now before we say something else. Embarrassing. All right, how long was